You're listening to the YCA Podcast. This is a podcast created for coaches by the coaches. The Young Coaches Association is proud to present exclusive content from coaches, young and old, all across the state of South Carolina. The YCA Podcast was created to provide a platform where coaches can share their own thoughts and insights to others with the hopes of building a brand and growing the profession. In more simple terms, these are ball coaches just sitting around talking ball. Thanks for listening to the YCA Podcast. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to today's edition of the YCA Podcast. Um, We are excited to bring to everyone a new series. We just finished off our Being an Assistant series, and now we're going to move into improving in the offseason, okay? Um, Again, we're assistants. Uh, You know, our goal here is to put out some content that may help other aspiring coaches, uh, you know, something that might can help them. So we're doing a new series. It's going to be a couple of parts. We're going to have some different guests. We got a special guest today. We are actually sitting back in the Cobra Den. So Coach Brian Sweeney has allowed us to come over and crash his den, and that's where we're at today. And so, uh, obviously, you know me. I'm Cam Willis. I'm the host today. I've got my co-host, Coach Brett Fields, here. We are missing one of our co-hosts, Stephen Davis. He wasn't able to get out today. But our special guest we're excited about, we have Coach Brandon Cantrell. Coach Cantrell, what's up, man? How are the guys doing today? Everything's good, man. Coach Fields, we made it. It's second uh, – I guess part or second episode segment. I don't know what I'm trying to say. We we got done with being an assistant. Now yeah. we're going into improving in the off season. And so. I think we just want to go ahead. I want to go ahead and clear the air with with this. Is <laughs> a lot of people think it's um, like improving your team, or we're getting honestly kind of selfish here. We're talking more of how to improve yourself personally because a lot of people, a lot of coaches you talk to, older coaches will tell you just go to a clinic and. You know, just read up on how Tennessee does things. That's not really what we're getting at here, okay? Um, We want to kind of make this thing three parts. We got Coach Cantrell on first. Uh, We're going to have a coordinator on uh, for the next one and kind of finish this one with a head coach. And uh, Coach Cantrell is going to explain his background here in a second, but he's also, you know, honestly not a slapdick. He's somebody who's done a lot of things, uh, been in a lot of various roles and titles, and been at some different schools, so – Pretty excited to get this one started. Uh, Coach Cantrell, you want to go ahead with a little bit of your coaching background? Oh, yeah. What, what episode number is this? It's number seven, I believe. Number yep. seven. So you're saving the saving the best for seven. That's right. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I guess, yeah, I could, a little bit of my background. Um, I started coaching in 2006 um, at King Street High School uh, with uh, Coach Will Lampkin. Uh, I kind of started – um, at a smaller school uh, where you had to do a lot of things. What what were they at the time, Coach? 2A? 2A. Okay. Yeah, we were 2A at that time. Um, but what really got me into coaching to begin with, um, so I played I played a year at um, Clemson University when I came when I graduated high school. I also played um, the rest of my, or almost the rest of my eligibility at Appalachian State. And while I was at Appalachian State, um, you know, you're a backup quarterback or you're, you're a second or third string guy. Um, a lot of the new guys that were coming in, I was pretty much sitting back there on the scout team, you know, showing them, 
you know, how to do things, telling them how to do this and that. And right. that really kind of sparked my interest in becoming a coach. Um, so I, with that being said, I kind of uh, um, let my last year of eligibility go and came back home and started coaching with uh, Coach Jerry Brown at Berkeley. So that's kind of where I started. I was still finishing some classes um, to graduate and get my degree in college, but I was I started coaching pretty pretty early even before I graduated yeah. um, college. So uh, like I said, I started in King Street, 2A school at the time uh, with Coach Will Lampkin. Um, and I really learned how to coach um, the five years I was there. That's, I was at King Street the longest out of everywhere I've been except for Berkeley, and I've been at Berkeley for seven years. But when we got to King Street, um, you know, middle of nowhere kind of a deal, you know, big, a rural school. Um, those kids needed us, you know, more than we needed them at the time. And like I said, I kind of cut my teeth on coaching there because um, out there you were pretty much a dad to those guys. And you were taking yeah. kids home, buying them food. Um, coached them the best she could at that time. I, saw, I was you know, 24 years old. I didn't really, you know, I knew what I knew, but I didn't know a lot about coaching at the right. time. So that's kind of where I got my, got my start. Um, I'm really thankful for the guys that I got to coach at that time, um, like Antonio Simmons, um, you know, God bless him. Um, coach Roger Myers, guys that I, I played with in high school, coached me in high school, and those guys really showed me the ropes when I first got to coach. And at a place where you had to learn the ropes. Right. Um, there you wasn't no, a lot of help at King Street High School at that time. You know, I was the laundry man, the field painter, um, you know, just every role you could possibly think of that y'all y'all been talking about on the podcast as an assistant. I've done all those things. Um, and at King Street, we had to do those things. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, just kind of a quick background, too. I feel Coach Fields and I worked with Coach Cantrell, obviously. Coach Cantrell came back to Berkeley the same year that I got to Berkeley when we worked under Coach Randy Robinson, and now we're both still working for Coach Jerry Brown. And Coach Fields was also there. He was there – you were there a couple of years before we even got there, right? Um, I was there for four or five seasons before I was a lower-level guy, just yeah. working my right. way up. Um, but, yeah, that, that first year we all got together, we were at the varsity level. Um, and Coach Cantrell and Coach Willis have really worked closely together. Um, at Berkeley, kind of creating the offense that honestly was very dynamic for what was that guys four to five years. You're yeah. really working yeah. on the offense, yeah. kind of you and you know you and Coach Cantrell. So, Coach, when you left King Street, kind of take us through how you ended up at Berkeley. Um, All right. you know, yeah, a little bit of a long story. I took the long way around. Um, I probably get easier ways, but I think when I started coaching, I, I told myself I want to kind of start from the ground up. And you know, if I if I do ever make it big, is because I worked hard. Um, I kind of did it, not on my own, because you always got to have somebody helping you along the way. Sure. Um, but I want to make sure I did it the right way and, and you know, kind of learn from the ground up. But um, after I left King Street, uh, I guess it was just on a progression of, you know, I got into a program. I liked some things, didn't like some things. Uh, but every job I took thereafter was always what you'd call a step up, you know, a yeah. little bit better program. Building. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, not that I was always looking to jump around. But I said I was at King Street for five years and enjoyed, you know, every bit of the time I had, had there. We didn't win a lot of games, but I think the impact we made on those kids, um, however many years ago that was, and it's been a while now, 15, 14, 15 years. Um, but I think the, the one thing I took away from that was those are the guys, you know, I was at that place the longest that had the most impact on those kids because I still hear from those guys, you know, all these years later. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's been a big thing um, for me. And everywhere I've been, I've tried to be, you know, you know, the best coach I could be at all those places and really work those relationships. But after I left King Street, um, I, I went with uh, Chris Collins to Lakewood for a year. Um, really learned a lot from Coach Collins. He was a, you know, Coach Brown disciple as well. Um, a coach for Coach Brown. Um, right about the time I was in high school, a little bit after, 
Um, so I figured going there, I, you know, I learned, you know, a whole lot more um, than just kind of going to a school that maybe won a lot. I want to go where, go with somebody that um, knew a lot. Yeah. And at that time, you know, Coach Collins, had, you know, had, he was already in his first year, the previous year um, at Lakewood. When I got there, we were in the second year. Um, and really, really, we set a lot of school records on offense. You know, I've been an offensive guy my entire career, um, except for one spring. Um, so we got the Lakewood, um, had a dynamic quarterback. We ran the flex bone, which is another thing I'll talk about here. Um, everywhere I've been, we've been a little bit different offense. So I've seen a whole lot of different offenses um, as we get a little more deeper into getting better as a coach. Um, but at Lakewood, like I said, set a whole bunch of school records. I'm um, like made the first playoff game in their school history. Um, had a quarterback that, you know, made North South was a, was an all state selection. Um, we also set a lot of school records as far as yards and, and wins and things like that. So really great experience. Uh, learned a lot of things from Coach Collins that obviously propelled me to where I'm at now. Uh, when I left Lakewood, I went to Manning. Um, wasn't sure what was going to happen after Lakewood. I put in for that job when Coach Collins left to go to Collin County. Um, thought I interviewed well. Obviously, didn't get the job. Um, but out of the blue, um, Robbie Briggs from Manning called. Uh, we had played each other the two previous years. I played him several times. We were at King Street. Um, so I guess, you know, him just knowing the kind of coach I was and being around or coaching against me, you know, he, he gave me a call and I went to Manning, which the first year at Manning, I thought I was in heaven. That was the most loaded, loaded group of guys that I've ever, ever coached. You know, our quarterback was like 6'1", 190, you know, could run and throw. He had a cannon for an arm. Um, kind of over, a, a little bit underachieved that year. I think we went seven and four. Um, and then Robbie Briggs um, resigned, you know, went to the job at Lawrence Manning. And um, during that little time of him resigning, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more as well, deeper in the podcast about taking on more responsibilities and trying to, you know, think of ways to improve yourself, you know, taking on different roles. So there's a little bit of a, um, a lull in between Coach Briggs um, resigning and them hiring a new head coach. So at that time, it was kind of like, you know, who's going to be doing this or that? There was hardly any coaches there. So you know, I kind of took upon myself to be the strength coach. Yeah. You know, I knew a little bit about it, things like that. You know, really got to dive into it, kind of try some things um, at Manning. And then the second year I was there, once I hired Tony Felder, he let me be the offensive coordinator that year. You know, had a decent season. You know, did some things I wasn't accustomed to um, offensively, but we made it work. You know, I ran the wishbone for the first time in my career, things like that. Um, so learn learn some new things there. Uh, once we left uh, Manning, uh, went to Timberland with Art Craig. I'd known Art Craig for several years as well. I uh, went to Timberland, won a state championship the first year I was there. Uh, coached quarterbacks, had a really, really great time on Art Craig's staff. You know, I knew all those guys. We'd all played college ball. It was very, probably the, probably the best overall staff I'd been on uh, just because of the knowledge those guys had. And, uh, and Coach Craig, although we, we, we won a state championship, made it fun for those guys and made it fun for us. You know, it had to be hard when he had to, but, you know, Timberland got a really great group, went undefeated for the first time in their school's history, uh, won the state championship in 2014. The kid I had playing quarterback, I think they had benched halfway through the season the year before, um, and the kid led us to a state championship the next year. So um, that, was, that was pretty exciting for me and also, uh, also for him. Um, and then after Timberland, you know, we made it back to Berkeley. Um, where I, where alma mater, where I played in the late '90s, for Coach Jerry Brown, um, was the coordinator there for what, three three years, I think. Um, like y'all said in, in the opening, that's we. I think we set a lot of records there at that time as well. You know, and a lot of guys are going to take credit for that. But we had we had a, we had a really great group of guys. You know, we had we had eight Absolutely. guys, eight guys signed scholarships that year. So anything that's what I was doing, you know, you kind of let those guys 
uh, make you look good. Uh, you know, guys like DJ Chisholm and Keyshawn Wicks and Dervon Pesno, you got stuff like that on offense. You can do um, yep. just about anything you want. And when you do mess up, it's hard to tell because those guys are so good. So I'm going to take a lot of credit for that, even though you know, we, had to, we had to come up with that stuff. You know, me and um, Coach Willis did a great job of, you know, just coming up with stuff on Sunday. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, too. You know, through the – this is my seventh year at Berkeley. as Coach Willis' seventh year at Berkeley. Um, the first five years we were there, I think we were the only mainstays on the yeah. offense. So you're talking about running a 5A offense, a 5A, you know, program like that with, you know, essentially two coaches for all those years. So, yeah. you know, for, for us to be able to do some of the things we did – um, with those guys, just a testament to that, what kind of caliber kids we had and, you know, and what, what we were able to do on offense there. So now we're here with Coach Jerry Brown, um, you know, a little bit different. Now we're learning a whole new offense, flex bone. You know, so I've been in just about everything, the wing tee, the flex bone, the wishbone, um, the spread or, you know, zone, whatever you want to call it there. Uh, so I've dabbled a little bit of everything um, through my coaching career. Yeah, and so, uh, again, all of this is exactly why we wanted Coach Cantrell to come on to this episode um obviously he's, he's been some different places he's been in situations where he's been thrown into the fire for whatever reason and he's had to learn on the fly Absolutely. Uh, and do a lot of things that some people don't get to do or you know and so that's what we're excited about we're gonna this has been the the opening kick segment we're gonna go ahead and close that off and then we're gonna go ahead and get into our next segment all right, so that was the opening kick segment. We are now going to move on to the first drive. So we had a scripted, by the way. Yeah, we, we do script things. Let's make sure everybody knows that. Um, so Coach Cantrell actually answered one of the questions that we were going to talk about. He kind of gave everybody, you know, his when he found out he wanted to be a coach kind of. So and we'll move in or move on to the next question. So we got one question here in the first drive. And, Coach, our first question is, what's the best advice you remember receiving as a young coach? Um, I go back to my days in Kingstree. Um, Will Lankin, um, very, very knowledgeable coach uh, when it comes to those, you know, like discipline and things like that. Um, and I've heard y'all say it on the podcast before. I think um, the main thing he always told me was bloom where you're planted. Um, when I st when I talk to him to this day, you know, because we talked about complaining as assistant coaches, he's, sometimes he's one of my go-to guys, and he reminds me of that all the time. Just bloom bloom where you're planted, do the best you can where you're at, um, learn the most you can while you're there, and get everything you can um, for whatever comes next. And um, I think I've kind of taken that to heart. Um, and I, I'm, as I'm looking, thinking back through all the advice I've gotten, that's probably the best one because it is um, something that you got to deal with as an assistant is. You know, I'm ready to do this, but it's not quite time yet, or it hadn't quite happened for you yet. And you got to, you just got to do the best you can where you're at. So, um, unfortunately for me, I've had to bloom where I'm planted quite a bit. You know, <laughs> so maybe one of these days I'll, I'll finally break through and get a head coaching job. But um, that's probably the best advice I've gotten um, so far. You know, I think that's, uh, I think that's something great that we've talked about and people we've had on have talked about because it's hard to do. Uh, we tell kids all the time. You know, it's it's easy for me to tell you to do this. It's going to be hard to do. Well, as a coach, it's the same – excuse me, it's the same thing. Like, it's very hard to just grow where you're planted. Um, you're always – you know, if you have goals of being in a bigger title, a bigger role, 
you're constantly thinking about that, right? Like, what would I do here? How am I going to do this? You know, he's stupid for doing yeah, this. I like, do it this way. Right. But that's not the mentality you need to have. I mean, it's okay to think about it every once in a while, but it is really hard to just grow where you're playing it. Just coach, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, just be the best you can be at whatever role you're in. And I think that's um, something I was a better at when I was a younger coach. Right. Um, and I'll kind of go back to what I was um, from the first segment was when I was at King Street, I was there for five years. Um, and just had enjoyed myself being a coach. You know, I was young. I mean, um, didn't really, I wasn't married at the time, was able to just enjoy coaching and, you know, having the camaraderie with the kids and the coaches I was with, um, you know, me and Antonio Simmons and Roger Meyer, we all, we all rented a house and lived together, you know, so just, you, know, you just kind of bachelored up having a good time coaching right, and, right. you know, doing the best you can. But in year five, talking about Blue Mary Plant, I was there for four years in the fifth year, um, Coach Lankin and those guys had left, and I kind of got stuck without getting a PE job somewhere else. And I ended up being the interim head coach and athletic director that year. So you talk about, you know, what made you get into coaching? Well, you know, me being a former player and, and coaching guys at the college level while I was still playing, helping those younger guys, um, what really made me want to be a head coach was the experience I had in that fifth year at Kingstree where there ain't no way I'm ready to be this. I'm only in my fifth year, and I'm getting thrown into being a not only an athletic director but a – but a head football coach with two weeks before the season starts. Uh, so you're talking about, you know, kind of running around with your hair caught on fire. But that experience, you know, kind of shaped me and, you know, got me thinking, was, I'm never going to let that happen again, where right. I'm not prepared, you know, for whatever situation I come across. Right. So yeah. I think that's kind of served me well um, through the years as well. Yeah, and I, and I can speak. Obviously, we worked together for like seven years now. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen you do – from year one to year seven, you've done a thousand different things. Like you've learned a lot of stuff and, and I've learned things from you and you've helped me with some things and stuff like that. And it's just, I mean, yeah, we, I think me and you've always been kind of a sounding board off each other. Cause yeah, I said, my background has been more, you know, I, I played for, you know, like I say, coach Brown and you know, most of the offenses I've been a part of are all running style offenses. Well, you know, we come in and, you know, coach Willis is with, you know, Steve Tannehill who, I'll throw the ball around a lot, but y'all emphasize throwing a little more than any offense I've been in. So yes. I learned a lot, you know, about how to, you know, how to make the offense complete um, when we got to Berkeley. So I think that was, we've always kind of had a good relationship there and always been bouncing things off of each other. Well, I think that, you know, we did tweak some things and we tried some things that maybe, okay, we can improve on this so area. Definitely. And, you know, it, it, again, we were in a situation where, like you said, there was two of us that were there every year everything else was kind of a revolving door. So, I mean, if you get into a situation where you have some, I guess, longevity within the staff, it makes it a little bit easier, but you know, it doesn't work like that everywhere. That's not always going to be the case. So yeah, you get in a situation where you might've been in there with somebody for a long time and maybe you don't like, maybe you don't like, you know, where you're at or who you're with, but I mean, coach Wilson, we we hang out, we hang out outside of the, out of the staff room. So I think it's been a, you know, a blessing for, us to run each other the time we did and able to do the things we've done um, and we could continue to do them still. So, yeah, <laughs> we're just missing fields and those guys yeah, for right. our Arby's trips. That's, that's now. right. So that's right. That's right. Those, those are some good times. Yeah. Uh, Coach- I think there's something I want to do, but right before we close this thing out is okay. Um, more pertaining towards, you know, being a young guy and being an assistant uh, coach Cantrell has higher goals for the role he's in right now. Oh, definitely. Um, and, you know, it's okay to voice that to your superiors. Now, you don't want to scream out like, 
hey, I want to be a head coach and I'm smarter than you and all this crap. Like, you don't want to do that. But when we say grow in your planet, dog, like, it's okay for your head coach to know that you want a bigger role, a coordinator role, a head coach role. Oh, right, right. And definitely. honestly, um, your coaching style will kind of kind of let you know how your head coach feels about you when you go to him in the offseason and tell him, hey, you know, these are my goals. This is what I want to do. And I, I personally think it's good to tell somebody that when you're going to be on staff with them in, in general. Um, right. You know, let let that guy know that you're about to work for, like, here's are my goals. And Coach Cantrell is going to talk about taking on more responsibility and roles and all that stuff later. But I think you need to understand it's okay to be, you know, growing where you're planted but have higher goals. We're not saying don't have higher goals. Um, communicate those goals with your your head coach or your coordinator and stuff like that so they can give responsibility to you. But at the same time, if you're the freaking quarterbacks coach or D-line coach or whatever you are, if you're the equipment manager, be the best you can be at that position. Yeah, so def you definitely know? have a roadmap for you want where you want to go and how you want to get there. Um, they just got to trust the process of when all that stuff unfolds for you. But yeah, yeah. definitely right. Let, let the people that can possibly help you know – you know what your goal is, yeah, and maybe they'll help you. From maybe the maybe let, they'll help you along that path, or that's at least that's what you'd hope they would do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anything else before we close this segment out? We're good there. All right. So that was our first drive. We're gonna bounce on to the cover three segment here next. All right, guys. So we're back with the top threes here. I'm a three guy. If you haven't figured out. But we're calling the segment the cover three, just helping out our defensive guys. Shout out to our defensive guys here. Boom. I am uh, I'm kind of outnumbered here, and I've been outnumbered every week, so this is kind of scary, but I've kind of yeah. learned to roll with it here. But moving on, our cover three segment, uh, we're going to have one question in this today. And Coach Cantrell, what we're looking for are three main words when you answer this question, okay? All right. We're not going to hurt you or physically hurt you if you get more than three words, but gotcha. we want three, okay? All right. So the question is, if someone would describe your coaching style or your coaching demeanor, what would be the three words they would use? I think the three words that come quickest to me for my, my demeanor would be uh, just calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. Elaborate? Yeah. Three yeah, words? Elaborate. That was my three yeah. words? Sure. Yeah. You, you, well, yeah. well, I played, uh, and Coach Willis can probably attest to this as well. I mean, we played quarterback. Yeah. Um, probably the, the highest pressure position you could play Absolutely. in football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I played at Berkeley High School at, in, in the late 90s where, you know, the crowds were still pretty big. You played in, you know, big time games, especially at that time of time in history in the low country where everybody was was pretty dang good. Um, and then you played it in college. So, you know, calling plays going back to high school on a high school Friday night, not really that big a deal. I mean, there's some times it's, you know, it gets a little nerve wracking and yeah. things like that. But, you know, I think those times playing that position um, you know, having Coach Brown or other coaches yell at you and just you know, you're, you've already kind of been used to those environments and those situations, like calling plays or you know coaching on the sideline. It's, it's, it's not that it's not that groundbreaking. It's it, yeah. you, you, you're kind of used to it. You're calm, and I think when you're like that, um, and I and I always kind of you know follow you know how Mark Rick was on the sideline in college at Georgia. He, he was never up, never down. He's always kind of even keel, and that's kind of the kind of the approach I've taken to, you know, football. I don't want to be too high, too low. I want to be even keel for those kids and make sure they're not, you know, getting high and then falling low. And yeah. I want to make sure I'm even so that they know everything's under control, you know, just kind of display that confidence in what you're trying to do. And uh, so I guess the demeanor would be calm, cool, and collected. 
Yeah, and you kind of stole just from coaching with you. I would the best thing that you said that I can relate to you is never being too high or too low. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've coached in some pretty big games. Right. All three of us yeah. had had a couple of years there where mm-hmm. we played in some big football games right. some and championships. And yeah, I mean, and we we never. Yeah, again, I, I never felt like you got too high, too low. Right. And as playing a quarterback, you know, most quarterbacks don't – like you don't want to get too – Right, not the good ones anyway. Yeah, like – and then if you get down to dumps, like that's your body language and then the rest of your team's going to feed off of that. That's so, right. you know, it's – that's a pretty good answer, I think. Just you know, kind of, yeah, just kind of make sure you're, you're, you're displaying that confidence, displaying that, displaying that leadership, and just being confident in what you're doing. I don't think there's any game we went to where unorganized or unprepared. Yeah. So it wasn't really any reason to be, no. you know, you know, nervous or shaken right. up or you know, acting crazy. So. And this was kind of a cheat question with Coach Cantrell because we've all worked together, you know, so we kind of knew what he was going to say. <laughs> um, and this is more of a self-reflective question for our guest here and something that if you know these guys, you might be shaking your head going, yep, I, I know exactly. That's exactly how he coaches. And uh, this may be a little bit more – uh a little bit more specific for people we have on in the future when we ask this question we knew what brandon was going to say quite honestly and (laughs) i can attest to that i mean this is a guy he's had multiple different roles but i know him coaching offensive line you know a lot of people say the offensive line coach is going to be this crazy dude like a crazy sob and coach cantrell kind of took those quarterback qualities and that's how he coached the offensive line you know what i mean so from a perspective where I was on the other side of the ball, I knew something was going down when Brandon was starting to get agitated or his voice was getting up. <laughs> Somebody screwing up a blocking assignment during practice. I knew something serious was happening on offense when Coach Cantrell was getting a little heated. So yeah. I can definitely attest to calm, cool, collected is how he coaches and probably, honestly, how all three of us do. Um, right. If you know us, you know that we're we're, we're pretty flat. Um, we, we want the kids to – be high energy and play with some emotion a little bit. And, but we also want them to be grounded at the same time. That's you right. You always hear about, you know, if you're a coach or a teacher, um, I've always kind of taken that to heart and just make sure I'm teaching my guys how I want them to do it, yeah. the correct way to do it. Um, and when you've told them that, you know, two, three, four times, then you start getting a little agitated. But <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I want to put the teaching part first, uh, make sure those guys understand completely what we're trying to do. Um, before I start just going off the handle and, right. you know, yelling at those guys or right. any, any guy really. Right. Except for the one I said, Eric Tuttle, I did yell out a little more than <laughs> usual. I think everybody did. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, but, but I think that was because so many people doubted him going in. I wanted right. to make sure that Joker proved everybody wrong. And, and I think for the most part he did. So I, I did yell at Eric Tuttle a little more than most. Well, and, and, and coach Eric listens to this, but, and so I've talked to him some, <laughs> And the funny part is, is that you and I have probably yelled more at that kid right. than anybody else. <laughs> but we love him. I, no, we love you. you know. I, I still talk to him as much as I can. And oh, he yeah. texts me every now and then. So, yeah. I mean, we because when I first got there, he was on JV. And so I was working with him in that <laughs> aspect. And I've never yelled at a kid more than I've yelled yeah, at Eric yeah, Tuttle. Yeah. I mean, but again, he I can handle it. Story he, too. Uh, there's plenty of stories. We're going we're, we're going to have to get him on here so he can defend <laughs> yeah. himself at some, yeah, at some point. Yeah, Eric Tubble. So he's listening to this, huh? He has. Oh boy. So funny story. Before he was a quarterback, these guys turned him into quarterback. He was a tight end the first year at JV, and I was kind of running the JV at Berkeley. Well, we had this uh, 
we had this like epic region championship for JV, you know, when you're a young coach <laughs> coaching JV, you're like, all right, let's go. We go down to Beaufort and um, wasn't the best tight end in the world, obviously. Heck of a quarterback. But he scores the game winning touchdown. And that week I told him before uh, during practice that if he scores a touchdown this game, I will get him anything in the world from Chick-fil-A. I don't <laughs> care if it's seven sandwiches, oh, three man. sets of waffle fries. He's like, all right, coach, I got you. So his butt scores to win the freaking game, uh, Buford, right? We go nuts. And the that was a Thursday night. So Friday I was going to the varsity game, helping out. He was there. I text him and ask him what what you want from Chick-fil-A, thinking he's going to have this big, elaborate order, like any kid would, right? Yeah. Guess what this cat asked for? I can't A milkshake and a cookie. <laughs> Literally a milkshake like of all the things, but that is the most Eric Tuttle answer I could ever imagine. From that There's case. plenty of stories we could tell about. Yeah, can, I, can, I, can I still breath thunder real quick and sure. give everyone a hot take? Sure. Go. No, there we go. Hey, hot take number one oh, today. Hot Quar- take. Quarterbacks don't make good tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make good tight ends. I, I, I was in college at App State. We had about six guys in the, in the, co- or the quarterback room, and when they get out of practice, and three of them are tight ends. <laughs> Wow. They weren't. I mean, maybe that's the way of getting rid of them. I don't know. But, uh, quarterbacks don't make great tight ends. That's uh, Yeah. Sorry, Tuttle. I, I, I'm going to text you and make sure you listen to this one. We'll, we'll get you on here so you can defend yourself one day. Sorry. All right. So like, that was a long cover three, but that's okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to add a little off script here to sure. close out the cover three. A little sure. fun little off script. We all used to go to Arby's. Yeah. Late at night, right. after games, no matter what, win or loss, waiting on laundry. So, Coach Cantrell, what are your top three Arby's orders? Ooh, well, you got to go with the Mott's. Mott's, <laughs> the Mott's. The Mott's right at the top of the list. Now, okay. maybe another hot take for our listeners. Arby's <laughs> has a secret menu. Oh, You know, you get the roast beef and cheddar, but you can also get it with turkey. Oh. So, I think, I think oh, maybe I the third or fourth that. year, I yes. think I started yeah. going turkey instead of yeah, roast he beef. Did. He we did. did. It was fantastic. So Yes. Um, and you gotta go with the curly fries in your yeah, there you go. Or, you know, so, Mott's, Mott's, the roast beef and cheddar, and then and then the curly fries, definitely. What you got, Coach Fields? Whoa, hot take, man! Wants the the beef and cheddar. What a hot take! But no, man, turkey, the turkey, the turkey, turkey and cheddar. That's the hot um, take. So I mean, the sliders are fire. I like the okay, sliders. Start with the sliders. Yeah. Cam, during the order, there's four or five of us in the vehicle. Uh, Coach Christensen's already trying to hit the curb, get a free yeah, drink. Yeah, yeah. We've already been giggling like schoolgirls trying, trying to order to all this. We got the free drink. Uh, he got it. the free drink. Okay. But uh, Cam would order 15,000 sliders in one order <laughs> and, and want something off of every one of them, not just right. getting the normal ones. So sliders are number one for sure. Yeah. Um, I like the buffalo chicken sandwich meal. Not going to lie to you. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, just the amount of spice. And then three. Yeah. Um. Probably Mott Sticks, man. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like Mott Sticks from Arby's, then you, you need to stop staff. listening. Just yeah. stop listening. Yeah, you, you've been revoked. You don't <laughs> yeah. get to listen anymore. Yeah. So mine, I'm real quick, and we'll close this segment out. Mine's going to be the sliders, then the Mott Sticks, and they used to make this s'mores milkshake, oh, boy. and it was so good. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it, but anyway, maybe Arby's can sponsor us. We can start promoting them <laughs> if you want. Funny. If you work at Arby's, yeah, first sponsor. you know, shout us out, you know, get us there. All right, so we're going to close out that cover three segment there and move on to the next. All right, we are getting set for everybody's favorite segment, which is the two-minute drill. And let me first start off before we start a timer. 
apologize. Some of the segments haven't sounded as good, but it's okay. We're going to get better at it. We're getting some upgraded equipment. It's at the house now, actually. It's, it's going to start sounding a little bit better here soon. So just everybody hold tight. All right, Coach Cantrell is our guest today here in the two-minute drill. He has not seen the questions, so we're just going to let him answer. We'll go around from him to Coach Fields to myself. All right, Coach Cantrell, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. You, you nervous? Oh, no, not at all. Nah, it's calm, calm cool, cool collected. There we go, baby. <laughs> all right, here we go. The two-minute drill starts now. All right, favorite opening play? Oh, just inside zone. Inside zone. I like I like throwing a quick screen or something. One of yeah, those. Set yeah. the tone. All right. Uh, favorite run formation. Um, I guess it's two minutes. So, um, just a, just a pro set. Okay. Tight end. Flanker twins on the other side. There you go. Okay. I'd say it our formation, but no one would know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with uh, one tight, two back gun. Good favorite one. favorite run formation is just two tights for me. I like having yeah. two tights. Yeah. yeah. Um, favorite pass formation. I go with trips. I like trips. Empty. I, Any <laughs> variation of empty. I love empty, baby. You know I do. Yes, sir. All right. Um, turkey hunt or deer hunt? Oh, turkey hunt all day. There you go. Yeah, turkey all hunt all day. Well, considering I've never done either, I don't know how to answer this <laughs> he, question. He would like turkey hunt yes. better. Yeah. A little more interactive. Okay, that's what I would like better. All right. Uh, defense you hate to play against? Um, odd stack. Odd stack. Hate it. That's a unanimous there. I can't stand yeah. that stuff. All right. Um, favorite route against man coverage? Oh, just vertical. Let's there go. You go. Let's, let's go. Yeah, slot fade concept. Yeah, let's win. Let's win the line scrimmage. Um, here we go. Take the ball or defer? Take it. Take, it. take the ball and score. I <laughs> sound different. I like Coach Heifel's mentality. I want to win the last four minutes and then win the first four minutes of the of the first half and the second half. So I'd say the first. I'm win every minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you do that, wrong. you're going to be good. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, curly fries or Mott sticks? Going to top two in there. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with the Mott sticks. Mott sticks. Mott sticks. All right. Signal or wristband? You can't have both. You gotta choose one. And I'll go wristband then. Signal. I like signaling too. Um, huddle or no huddle? I like a huddle. No huddle. Uh, I just like the no huddle, uh, but I like huddling too. But I'm gonna right. choose no huddle. All right. Favorite offensive coach? You can't pick yourself. It can be pro, college, don't matter. Offensive coach. Oh man, favorite offensive coach. I had one. I heard this one the other day, and I thought of one, but I can't remember who it was. That's not good. No. That's probably my favorite one then. <laughs> Jeez, guys. Um, Time's running, no timeouts. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> favorite offensive style. Oh, geez. Just offensive nope. coach. Who would you go listen to talk about offense? I guess. Lane Kiffin. There you go. He's still Yeah, I knew yeah, you was going to say Lane. Yeah. I, I, I like Lane, but now I'm going to go. Now he's run the ball a little more. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go with Heifel right now because that's my guy. All right, right. Um, all right. Last one. Favorite defensive coach. Same question, but for defense. Uh, like like coaches now? Yeah. Any, it could be a high school coach. I don't know. Whatever you. Hmm. Dick LeBeau. Wow. People don't even know that name. Yeah. Blitz uh, all day. <laughs> Dave Aranda. If there's, I'm not a big college guy, but. 
there was somebody I was going to listen to, it'd be Dave Randa. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just going to do the pick everybody else for probably saying and go say Nick Saban. I just yeah. like to go listen to him yeah, talk. Nick Saban you know, be a good so. one too, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's all. Uh, two minute drill. I think we were pretty close, but we went a little long. Yeah. As we're going to uh, keep getting better. But that's a pretty good segment there, Coach Cantrell. Appreciate your answers, Coach Fields. Anything moving on? No, we're good. All right, we're going to move on to our air it out segment. All right, now it is time for the, the meat and taters segment, as we like to call it. This is our air it out segment. Uh, when we have special guests, this is kind of the segment that we have in mind when we bring people on. Yeah. This, is, this is where we want them to drop some knowledge and, and share with us and the listeners, you know, from their experiences and things that they've done in their career. And again, if you take one thing or two things or a couple things, whatever from the episode, that's kind of the goal here. Yeah. So I know personally, I try to take one thing away from whatever I'm listening to or whoever I'm talking to, whether it's high school, um, college, you know, it doesn't matter. I try to take one thing away. So that can definitely be a goal for you as you're watching this or watching this. I'm skipping to. Oh, yeah. We ain't got there yet, big dog. We ain't got there yet. We got some new equipment, so I think we're yeah. going big time. <laughs> but uh, if you're listening in, you know. Yeah. So, aired out segment, coach. Um, and just so I know no one can see this, but Coach Cantrell's an offensive coach. He's right. organized. He's got his notes here. He really of does course. have notes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd expect nothing less. Awesome. So, here we go. Aired out segment. So our first question for you, Coach, is define what getting better in the offseason means to you personally. I'm, I'm going to preface all this by saying I've had a lot, a lot of years to get better. <laughs> My goal is yeah. to be head coach. It hadn't happened yet, but when that day comes, um, hopefully I'll be one of the most prepared guys for what you could be prepared for. Right. And they always say, you know, once you get it, you're, you're never ready for a head coaching never job. Never really ready, one. yeah. But – when that day comes, I think I'll be uh, pretty organized. So um, what, what it means by getting better for me would just be being able to self-reflect from season to season, um, knowing what you need to improve on in whatever area it is, um, play calling, a scheme, um, you know, how to, how to um, what was the word I'm looking for, how to get better at you know, dissecting the defense or the offense that you're playing against, just breaking down film, right? Um, all those kind of things. Um, just and then there's all these other side things that don't even you know come into play with you know what maybe what your job is that year. Right. Um, so for me, just finding everything that you can possibly do to be the best possible coach you can be, whether in any area. Kind of well-rounded is what you're getting at. Yes. Being yeah. De definitely. Um, and I'll, so I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more you know, as we go. But being able to self-reflect each season. Um, knowing what you need to improve on, and, and usually that's going to be uh, right in your face from when you, whatever your last game is. Like, oh, we didn't do this well. This game is going to be lost. Right. Um, but it's so much more than that. Just there's a whole bunch of areas we can improve, and we'll talk about those um, as we go through this. So, is there anything? Um, and you know, I'm a three guy, so I'm not asking for three. But is there a couple things that? Uh, and I, I mean, we're going to hit on this a right. little bit later, but what are, what's a hot, give us a hot take on how to get better personally. What is something that you think is kind of a false narrative or what um, is something that's not necessarily going to get you better as a coach? Well, and and I, I know what you're getting at, just, you know, talking about going to clinics. Um, we'll yeah. talk about it a little bit later, but my biggest thing, um, and I'm trying to go back to all the way when I started coaching my days in King street, 
um, is if you want to be a great coach or if your goal is to be a head coach or even just a coordinator where you're in a position of leadership um, or you have control of something, you're in control of an area of, of the team. Um, and here's, and I'm just going to come back and just talk personally about how I did things. Um, so my first five years, like we talked about earlier, I was, you know, by my fifth year, I was the interim head coach and athletic director at King Street. Not prepared for it one bit, but I knew if I ever got that chance again, I wanted to be prepared as I could be. Um, so the first thing I did when I was at King Street, this is before I even got, you know, to be the interim or anything like that, was take on any roles and challenges that you can. Um, coach Willis has talked about, you know, he played quarterback. I played quarterback in high school and in college. Um, I didn't even coach quarterbacks when I first got to King Street. Um, coach Lankin, you know, was coaching the quarterbacks. I think that first year I started with the running backs, ended up with the wide receivers. Um, we had a guy that was helping us do the offensive line. Um, he ended up getting, he wasn't even a, he wasn't a teacher. He was just a, a volunteer type guy, um, was actually the son of coach uh, Roger Meyer, but he ended up getting a promotion at the job he was in and couldn't coach the offensive line anymore. Um, and I didn't have a clue anything about offensive line. I knew, you know, kind of what they did, you know, playing quarterback, you got to know something. You got to know a little but bit, yeah. We, we couldn't find an offense. This has happened twice in my career now. Um, we didn't have an offensive line coach. We didn't hire one. So I just volunteered to do it. You know, I'm in year two of coaching. You know, right. played quarterback for eight years. You know, I'll, I'll, coach, I'll, I'll coach the offensive line. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, when I took on that responsibility, obviously I had to learn how to do it. Um, so I went and talked to everybody I could possibly talk to you know, from – you know, from Jerry Brown to every, you know, name any good offensive line coach in the area. And I was talking to him, reading a book, you know, talking to whoever I could. Right. Um, and I ended up coaching offensive line for three years. I'm going to say, I said that to say this. In those three years of coaching offensive line, I learned more football than I did the entire time I played. You know, because when you're playing, you're learning your position. Right. Yeah. And you, you sometimes as a quarterback, you work with a running back and you got to throw to the ball. So, you know, routes. Um, but them guys up front, that's a, that's a, Totally different animal. Yeah. Um, so for the young guys out there that want to, and you're an offensive, even the defensive side of the ball, if you want to be a great coach overall, learn offensive line. Um, I, I, in those three years, I did it at, at King Street. Now, when that we improved offensively in any statistic or anything like that, but me personally, I gained, you know, like I said, more knowledge in those three years. You know, having to uh, make adjustments, how to, you know, having to coach a different position altogether. And yeah. getting to talk to all the people I talked to about how to coach offensive line um, just made me a completely, you know, better coach in that era of my of my life at King Street. And then once I became the interim head coach and athletic director, I just you know, that was a whole different ball game. I had to learn a whole. I, I knew I had to learn a whole bunch of different things right. after that after that position. But um, when I left King Street, like I told you, I went to Lakewood. I'd already been, you know, somewhat of an interim AD and and head football coach. When I got to Lakewood, I was there for a year, um, and Coach Collins, you know, took a different job, so I was stuck there in the spring, you know. And once again, kind of took on some of those. He, he kind of brought me in. I was, I was somewhat the assistant head coach at the time, so there was, you know, another role, right? You know that. And then when he left in the spring, you know, they needed someone to kind of be the, you know, the athletic director in his absence and things like that. So once again, I was like, well, I'm young, you know, I need to learn these things. You know, I'll volunteer to be you know, the, the yeah. assistant or the, you know, the AD and, and acting AD at the time. So right. I was the AD at Lakewood for that spring semester, which is if any ADs out there listening to us, the, the toughest semester, the spring semester is the, the busiest one for Hectic. eligibility yeah. and all yeah. that kind of thing. So I took on those roles knowing, you know, my previous experience, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this one day and I need to know everything I can about it. Um, so at, you know, at Lakewood, you know, I was assistant athletic director for that spring. 
during the season, I was a little bit of the assistant head coach, you know, if anything should have happened. Uh, well, then I went to Manning. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in the uh, opener. Uh, when I was at Manning, like I said, we had a you know, gold mine worth of athletes. You know, I was there the first year. Robbie Briggs resigned, goes to a different school. We're in a little bit of limbo. Um, and I know from my background, if you ain't in the weight room, you ain't going to be very good. Right. Um, so out of the guys who are at Manning, it's a, you know, you let it go for about a month. You know, no one was stepping up. Was, I'm going to be the strength coach. You know, you have some ideas um, when you're in those kind of roles and there's no one really – at the time, there was no one really watching over me on, you know, you need to be doing this or that. So it was kind of a, you know, free time to kind of, you know, experiment myself. It's something that I think a lot of us hope for and kind of talk about. And you'll sit here with your buddies and talk about, man, if I was in this role. Yeah. But, you when know. You, well, when you get a chance to do it, do it. Right. Volunteer yourself to do it um, if, if, and if you got the time and the willpower. Coach knows, like, it's, it's easy to sit here and say it, but he actually had to do it. Right. You know, when you get in it, you're kind of like, oh, boy. And that kind of goes back to mapping out what you want to do, have a goal for what you want to do. I, was, I know I want to be a head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and all those things come into play. I'm going to have a good idea of, you know, whether I'm what I'm looking for in a strength coach or what exactly I want to do in the weight room. Yeah. Uh, from those experiences. And, and, you know, at the time in Manning, we, we were we were pretty good the first year. We didn't really do well the second year. But out of those experiences in the weight room and being around the kids all those times, you know, I really got to see because one of the things I would hear at Manning was, well, you know, our, kid, our kids really don't do not do well in the weight room or, you know, we can't really get them in the weight room. Right, right. Well, we held, I held them jokers accountable all summer. Um, you know, I made sure I monitored, you know, how many times they were there. I gave them a number to meet. You know, if you're not there, you, you may not be a captain if you're a senior. And I still remember one of our linebackers because he missed, I think he was short like two or three workouts. And with the most humble face, you know, the kid could come in and he was like, coach, you know, what do I need to do, you know, to be a captain? Because right. he knew he didn't make, and I was like, well, he should have made, first of all, he should have made the workouts that were set for you. Right. You know, so you, you kind of, you learned what to do in the weight room to a degree, at least got to experiment with it. And then you got to see some of the results of when you actually hold kids accountable. Right. Um, and make them do things that, you know, other people thought, well, he, he, he ain't going to be able to do that here. Right. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, that benefited, I know it benefited me seeing that reaction from a kid. And, you know, hopefully that benefited him you know, later on in life. Right. Um, so that, so like I said, we, we talked about, you know, taking on different roles and challenges. You know, that wasn't my role to be the strength coach, but no one else was doing it. So you know, I'm sure I'm going to do it, you know, just so I can learn that area um, of being a coach. Um, then, you know, you know, after I left Manny, went to Timberland, you know, and, and, and I'll kind of say this, you know, Art Craig and, you know, was, was great for me. And I had an option to go to another school as well. And I'm just going to, this is just kind of a side note. If you're a head coach, make sure you know exactly what you want from your assistants. Because uh, I was interviewing at one place. And he's like, well, you know, we may have you do this or that. Um, you know, sometimes this guy may call the offense. And then one day this guy, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good at all. But when I talked to Coach Craig, he's like, I want you to do A, B, and C. Here's your, you're doing Clear A, you're doing B, you're doing C. Clearly, you know, I was like, well, I'm going here. Yeah. You know, and it paid off for both of us. I think I helped those guys win the state championship this year. We talked about the quarterback situation there. Um, that obviously it helped me because, you know, we got to win a state championship together right. and, you know, got to experience that. So there wasn't anything, you know, maybe um, challenging or a different role at Timberland. It was just, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do at Timberland. I did it the best I could. Yeah. Um, and then I got to Berkeley and this, <laughs> uh, th this will be a little interesting because, you know, you talk about, you know, the lower level jobs. Um, and I talked about this in the, in the pre, you know, the pre game as well is, and I think y'all touched, touched on it in multiple episodes where if you're an assistant coach, your job is just not to coach. 
You know, it's, it's, it's laundry, it's field painting, it's maybe taking a kid home. Um, so all those are roles that you got to take on as a coach, whether right. you want to or not, um, if you want to be on the staff. Um, when I got to Berkeley, you know, I, I think it took through the summer before Coach Robinson, you know, was like, I'm, I'm going to let Brandon, you know, be the offensive coordinator. Um, so once again, you know, I prepared myself to um, take on a role as a coordinator. And, and I'd help um, Art Craig as a coordinator at, at Timberland, you know, game plan and things like that. I was a coordinator, you know, my last year at Manning. Um, so all these things I've been, you know, kind of preparing for this, you know, hopefully one day getting, you know, big, you know to the big time. And at, at the, to the current state, you know, Berkeley's, you know, as big time as I've gotten so far. I mean, I'm, you know, I got to coordinate an offense at a high level. Um, I've coached at every level, 2A, 3A, 4A, and, you know, there wasn't a 5A for a long time. But, right. you know, Berkeley's now 5A. And, you know, we had success at all those levels. And I think that still goes back to me just wanting to be able to self-reflect each year, you know, know, know what my goal was, and then, you know, do everything I could to learn as much as I could. And yeah. I'm giving you some specific examples, but there's, you know, there's a plethora of things that I've done you know, year in and year out to help myself get better. But these, I want to make sure I got through these first. At, at this stop, I did this. You know, at this stop, I did this, or I got the opportunity to do this. Right. You know, as I got to Berkeley, you know, I had done all these things. So, so you're at a 5A school at Berkeley High School. I'm an offensive coordinator, you know, but I'm still painting a field. You know, I'm still jumping up on a ladder, filming practice. Absolutely. Um, so I'm still doing all the things that, you know, first-year coaches do. Um, but I also have the added responsibility of being the offensive coordinator. Um, and so I you know, just learning all those things. Like I had the, I had the best experiences at King street, learning how to do those things. Right. You know, I mean, I had to learn how to paint a straight line, you know, and take pride in that, you know, yeah. make your field look good. Um, you know, and I'm now I'm in, you know, year, you know, 16 or 17, I'm still having to do, you know, some of those things that you did when you first started coaching. I still do laundry at Berkeley. Um, I got kind of relieved of the field painting duties this year, which was good. Um, but this year, you know, I mean, coach Brown puts a lot on me as well. You know, because I'm the only guy down there in the coach's office. So there's a lot of things I did this year, even so was that was, you know, maybe some head coaching responsibilities or you know things that weren't necessarily my responsibility. But I'm learning, you know, every day that I'm with Coach Brown on some other area aspect of being a head coach or right. just some other area um, that I need to learn to be the best that I can be. I think I think my, you know, my five years, at, my first five years at Berkeley were great for me being able to do it, you know, because for one thing. You know, that kind of instills that self-confidence, you know, like, I can do this. Right. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about calling a play or, you know, how, how to game plan anymore. Um, it's more like, I know I can do that. Yeah. I just got to keep, you know, keep myself up to date and preparing for that. But Coach Brown's first year at Berkeley really kind of uh, solidified. Not that I'm going to stop learning because you never stop learning, but it was kind of that final puzzle piece. To like, oh, yeah, when I get my head coaching job, I know, I know exactly, you know, what I'm going to do. Yeah. I got to see Coach Brown come in. And have to turn around a poor program. I think the year before we went, we went forward and something. Yeah. You know, his first year we went two and something because you're trying to get some of that, the old regime and the old way of doing some things out of there. And he's trying to do it his way. Um, and Coach Brown's going to do everything his way. So whether it takes the long, the long way or the short way, he's going to get that done. And I got to see him kind of come in and try to change a culture um, and change a way of doing things. You know, and obviously, you know, with our records, we hadn't hadn't fully caught on, but you see instances of things where uh, things are working. Yeah. And I think as a coach and, you know, you talk about Parker's resources, we've listened to that, me and you coach fields, yeah. you know, it's a big influence on what we're doing here. Um, and he always talks about, you're going to get a head coaching job one of two ways. Either you're going to get 
you know, you're going to be an assistant and get promoted, nope. or you're going to have to go to some, you know, podunk school or not a great school with a great record, and you have to change, turn it around if you want another one. Right. Well, I got to see, you know, what that looks like, and I think for me personally, um, that was just a great experience. Yeah. You know, um, just seeing how that's how that's done, along with all the other experiences I've had along the way. Um, I mean, I, if you you're always going to learn. All you young guys out there, never stop learning. It don't matter what it is. Um, so, like I said, the, the first thing I, you know, I would, I would, my advice would be was to take on different roles and challenges. You may not want the role, but you need to know it. Yeah. Um, down the road, you may never need to know, but at least you have it in your back pocket. You know, if, if one of those situations ever arise. Um, the other thing, um, and it kind of ties in together, um, would be to um, each off season pick something outside of your expertise. I mean, you know, we all coach a position. We're all familiar with the position. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, it's, it's good to learn another position. Like I said, I learned more in the three years, the first time I coached the offensive line at King Street than I did the entire time I played. Well, that situation came up again at Berkeley a couple of years ago where we lost, you know, Coach Finch to Wando. He been, went over to be an administrator, and we didn't hire an offensive line coach. Um, so I'm a volunteer again, Coach, you know, coach Robinson. I'll, you know, I'll coach the offensive line again. Um, and once again, you, you're at a different level. So I was at 2A the first time I did it. You're at 5A this time. You know, let's see how this translates. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had almost a, we had a 2,000-yard rusher one year and a, almost, he almost ran for 2,000 the second year as well. So, yep. you know, obviously you kind of, like I said, a lot of it is you try this, you get the result, and either I got to keep working or uh, that was a pretty good job. You can build some self-confidence on what you're, what you're trying to do. But my main point for, you know, talking about, you know, finding something outside your expertise is I played quarterback. Coach Willis played quarterback. Coach uh, Fields played defensive line in high school. Um, so I'm, I would call us experts in that. I think there's a, a book by Malcolm Gladwell that's called Outliers. He talks about you become an expert, so we do it for 10,000 hours. Well, I'm pretty sure I've yeah. you know, thrown a football or played quarterback <laughs> for more than 10,000 hours. Yeah. So I would consider myself an expert on it. Now, I, ain't, I haven't done it at the highest level. I ain't in the NFL or anything like that. But there's a lot of things I see here and there from the college guys, even the pro guys. Like, well, that's how I do it at my high school right mm -hmm. you know so uh, i think i'm an expert in that area but there's so many other things and i kind of talked about them in my other in my other you know part right there was pick something outside of your expertise it could be strength and conditioning uh, which i've done at manning um me and coach fields just talked last week about defensive stuff so yeah. as being a an offensive guy my whole career um, i may never call it defense but if you're learning those things you're going to talk to people about defense and how they do things that's either going to help me better on offense or it's going to help me you know if i ever have to call or coach a defense yeah um which as a head coach i want to be able to know the offense and i want to know the defense and know you know what we're trying to do from week in and week out um there's speed training i've, I've every year like i said i do something in the off season i think last year i read a lot of books on leadership um obviously that's important in your program just right how to lead what leading looks like um you know John Gord and John Maxwell wrote plenty of books on leadership. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I try to do my best to read, you know, at least two or three books in the off season on, on different topics like that. Um, I watch a lot of um, videos and read a lot about strength and conditioning, speed training up and uh, even to this day, um, you know, every year in, in South Carolina, you got to renew your teaching certificate. I think it was the last time I was up for renewal. I just took a PE class on strength and conditioning, you yeah. know, see if there's anything new or something different that, you know, I could, Take from that, excuse me. Um, so there's always something you can be, you know, getting better at. Um, I've even gone, I even got Tom Brady's book on the TB12 stuff, you know, foam rolling and, 
you know, all, all those type things on, on what the benefits are of that in my right. program when I get a program. Uh, but I, I do say, I will say this. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily talk or think so much about scheme anymore. I'm not, you know, oh, what can I do? You know, scheme, my power's power, counter's counter. Yeah. You know, there's some wrinkles off all that stuff in the RPO game nowadays, but I'm not necessarily just thinking about how to be, how do I get better at, at X's and O's or scheme anymore? It's all the other stuff, you know, outside of actually just playing football, like I said, leadership. Um, and the one thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too. Um, when I go visit a college or if I'm going to talk to another football coach, and I think those are all really, really good things to do in the off season. You know, if you're going to a clinic, you know, take notes, get what you can, but you got to follow up on those notes. You know, you just go to a clinic and say, oh, I went to a clinic and heard this. Yeah. Those guys are giving you just the, the tip of the iceberg yeah. on those kind of things. So if you really want to go get the nuts and bolts of what they're talking about, go to a college and, and, and sit down with those guys. Um, so that's a way to get better. Um, but really what I do in those kind of situations is if I'm going to a college, I'm watching their practice. I want to see how they practice. What are they doing differently than I do? Yeah. Um, so as I've gotten older, um, I really don't worry about scheme a whole lot. Um, I really worry about all the all the other things. Right. You know, you know, culture, leadership, how are they practicing? What are some efficient ways of practice? Yeah. I think when we went to, um, I don't know if Cameron was on the trip, but my first or second year at, at Berkeley, we went to Clemson, I think two off seasons in a row and just watch those guys practice. They're running similar offense. You know, so I'm just watching, you know, I followed the wider series around for a little while and they did this, this, and this. And we ended up incorporating some of that into the Berkeley schedule um, as far as the tempo stuff and um, going from individual to individual and how they structured their um, their practice schedule. All that stuff interests me way more than the scheme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get more efficient? How do we get on the field and get exactly what we need done in, a, in an efficient manner? Um, things like that. So uh, as I'm going off this list, things to get better outside your expertise, it could be strength and conditioning, Talking about defense, you know, flexibility and speed training are huge in the offseason for any program. Yeah. You know, knowing those things, having to plan for those things. Um, every time I every time I, I watch a video or read a book on that stuff, I go back down and write it down. You know, if I'm at a clinic for you young guys and you're sitting there, you hopefully all y'all take notes. I know there's phones and things like that to take videos on, but I still remember from high school, Coach Brown telling us you if you write stuff down, you remember like 40 to 60% more. And when you write stuff down, so always writing notes is always a good thing. Um, when me and Coach Fields met the other day on defense, you know, he talked, he talked, and we 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 bounced some things back and forth. And then the next day, I went back through and wrote it all down. You know, I, I made some notes while we were talking, but I went back and wrote it all down on a sheet of paper. And I, so I knew exactly what the heck was going on. I could yeah. go back and, and study it. Um, fundamentals for other positions. Um, one thing I guess is good about coaching for a long time, or just maybe the way I did it. I don't know if everyone gets this gets this opportunity, but I've either played or coached every position on offense. You know, in high school, I, I played wide receiver, I played quarterback. You know, I didn't play running back, but I was with those guys every day. You know, during individual. Yeah. And then I got to coach offensive line, so I've played or coached every position on the offensive side of the ball, and feel like I got a pretty good grasp on any of them. Um, so. Learning fundamentals from other positions, whether it be defense, offense, make sure you learn in special teams. I know a lot of programs I was in, you know, everyone kind of had a responsibility for their own um, special team. Um, the last couple of years, I really had had any responsibility for special teams. Right. But that's still something I go back and look at. Is there something different people are doing now? I still go back and look at things I've done before and try to maybe tweak or adjust um, that way I can use when I become a head coach or if I'm in that role again. Um but other than that, I mean, 
I think that I think that's pretty much some of the things that I've done outside of my expertise. I've, you know, I've gotten better at strength and conditioning. I read a lot of books. I read, I read, I read. I watch a lot of videos day in and day out on, you know, something may happen, you know, in the weight room or something may happen. I'm like, well, I don't really know anything about that. You know, where are some benefits to that? You know, and you go look it up. You know, if you don't know something, ask a question. Um, a lot of resources out there. Oh, now. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I think all those things kind of tie into what I'm trying to get my point across is, is, you know, I've, I've had, I've had opportunities to take on different roles, but even though I've had those roles, I'm still trying to learn to get better even in all those roles. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'll just sit back in the office season. Well, I'm going to just go hunt and fish. You know, I do that because right. I enjoy that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I also find time um, to, to get better at any area that I think is going to help me um, either in the position I'm in or down the road. Um, so I could, like I said, when I become a head coach, I want to make sure I'm at least have my fingerprint on the whole entire program. And, and in order to do that, you got to know it. You know, I mean, I can trust a guy to go do that. But when we sit down and talk about, hey, what do we do today? Uh, well, I understand what he's talking about for one. And and I know he's kind of following the guidelines that I gave him. Right. Um, so if you don't have a good handle on those things, you know, I'm going to say someone pull the rug out from underneath you. But you know, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen to me when I get that get to that opportunity. So um, anything anything you guys maybe thought of while I was talking? Because I got some other stuff. But Yeah, we, we got some other questions. Uh, we'll take a quick little break right here, and then we'll come back and, and keep going. Dude. All right, guys. So we're kind of continuing with our air it out segment here, breaking it up just because this is a lot of great info and want you guys to keep listening. So Coach Cantrell's kind of hit the main points of improving himself in the offseason. So what we're going to kind of let him do here is talk about just three or four, not not side plots, but a couple of smaller things that he does within even looking at the main points of what he does. So these are things that may be a little bit more scheme related or maybe a little bit more personal for him. Um, you know, just little things that you need to brush up on if your goal is to really improve, you know, your role or your title or whatever it happens to be. Um, and also, I just want to say as well that what Coach is doing is not something he's doing, not necessarily in season. Um, something we want to make a point of, and I've said it before, you know, growing where you're planted, half of that is not worrying about this in season. This, this, You have plenty of time unless you immediately jump into wrestling, which some of our coaching friends do. But when you're a football coach, this is not for week seven. You know, this isn't when your program's going into a huge region game. You're worried about stuff like this. This is why we're talking about this. This is your personal time on your own time. Coach Cantrell isn't reading a book while he's trying to lead a weight room session. Okay. <laughs> he's doing this on his own time. And that's what we're trying to get at is these are all great, but to grow where you're planted, you've got to do this stuff on your own time. You know what I mean? Not on your head coach's time or your program time. So coaches, there are a couple smaller topics that you can maybe, you know, go into as well right here. Just a couple smaller things and you know, maybe a little more detail in certain areas. Um, we talk about going to clinics, which is always a good thing. I mean, going to clinics is a good is a good thing. Um, and it's not always maybe what you get football wise uh, for you young guys. It may be it could be a handshake by someone that, that opens a door for you, networking. you know, five years from now. So networking. Yeah. Um, is always, you know, always a big thing. That's probably something I should do a little bit better of now that I'm older than opposed to when I was younger. Um, I'll go to them sometimes. But I don't go to them all the time like I did when I was younger. Well, and Coach, uh, so, like, we, we've kind of talked about this, too, and we'll kind of elaborate on that. 
we're not sitting here telling you to not go to clinics. Right. Oh, no, because I mean, I've been to the clinics and you might, uh, you know, coach Brewer who was at North Carolina at the time did like a 45 minute segment on the stick route. Right. Like they're not, they're there, they're coming to share some insight, but they're not going to give you, yeah, they're not divulging all their information. Yeah. They're not going to go and give you all their big secrets right. and stuff like that. Like, and coach Cantrell talked about going to that school, like, They'll, they're staffs that'll welcome you in oh, as a staff, and then we'll sit there and talk Furman about it. 100% yes. did that for us at Berkeley. We uh -huh. went up there and yeah. got in a staff meeting, got in the whole staff meeting, got in a defensive meeting, mm -hmm. watched film with those guys. I got to watch film with their outside linebacker coach, and then we went, like Coach Cantrell was talking about at Clemson, we went and watched them practice. So not only did we watch them practice, we listened to them beforehand, and they took time with us one-on-one. -on -one. Right. You're not going to get that at the Myrtle Beach Clinic. You're going to hear Dabo talking about, this is how I do a good culture. And you can still take things from that. Oh, yes. That's not what we're saying. But don't Absolutely. think that you're just going to go and listen to Dabo and listen to Shane and just immediately get better. That's right. not you how got, it you works. Got, you got to yeah. follow up on that kind of stuff. There's never There hasn't been a college that I've been to that didn't you know, open the door for us, like we said. And a lot of places I've been to, um, they'll open the film room up and here's hand you the remote and say, here's our stuff and have at it. Yeah. You know, I've done that at Walford a couple of times. I've done that at Clemson where you sit there and watch all the film you want to. So if you're thinking about scheme, you know, and those guys will come in and out from their meetings and, hey, you got any questions on this? So, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, we're not saying don't go to a clinic. Those things are great for networking for you personally. Yes. Um, you're not always going to get the, the most scheme or maybe the most, you know, knowledge going to those right. things. But if you follow up on those things from the clinic, um, that's always, always a good thing. You know, the the best things that I've gotten from a clinic is when they let the, one of the high school guys do a session. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I remember uh, there was a school in North Carolina that had won, uh, I think it was Havelock, had won a couple of state championships, and that guy came in and did it like his, his summer weight program. Right, right. I mean, I went in there, we were all in there like listening <laughs> and like, and they're a small school, so they don't have the resources that everybody else has. Right. So it was very valuable to go and sit and listen to somebody like that. So you can pick up stuff, we're, but we're being real here. We're not saying just go to clinics and you're going to become a great coach. Yeah, that's that's right. kind of the thing. But Huge do go, yeah, do go to the clinics, network like Coach Cantrell is talking about, listen, shake some hands, and, and just get to know right. other people when you're there. So and, and, and being an older coach now. Um, I'm trying to think back to when I was young, starting the profession. I mean, you went to the clinic to kind of socialize anyway. Yes. Yeah. You know, so you meet a lot of people that way. As you get older, you get married, you get kids. You know, you. That's yeah. not. That's not. A, maybe some guys. That's not as high on their list, but you know, definitely the network aspect of the clinic, meeting new people. Those, the you know, you never know who you might meet that opens a door later down the road. So always yeah. go to clinics. Um, but I, like Coach Willis just talked about, um, I, for me. Um, going through the years, I've always found it more beneficiary to just go talk to other high school coaches. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, just because they're doing it at the same level you're doing it. They got a lot of the same resources, a lot of the same time. You know, those guys in college get to sit around all day and, you know, do football all day. Yep. Yeah. In high school, you got to teach a class, you know, do all these other things. But um, yep. talking with other high school coaches, I said I had the luxury of playing for some really good coaches I got to go talk to when I was a young coach. I still talk. I mean, I got Coach Brown at – you know, you know, 15 feet away from me every day. I should yeah. probably talk to him more than I do now. Um, but when I was in the off season as a young coach, I want to talk to him every off season. And he let me do some of the same, same things we just talked about. He let me sit around and watch him in the weight room. Um, I remember one time he was at Batesburg Leesville, um, the year they won the state championship. I sat there, you know, before a game, like all day, I watched him 
you know, get ready for, you know, the walkthrough and pregame and how they, I mean, I just got to see all that stuff from an up close um, perspective. Um, but even other, other guys that, you know, I, when I was younger, Coach Stackley that, you know, Coach McDaniel talked about last week, Ray Stackley at Stratford. You know, I've, I've, I've known him since I was seven years old. So he's always been, you know, a resource I could always go talk to. I, I talked to him a lot when I was a younger coach about, you know, how to get a job and things like that when I was still doing my student teaching. Um, but I, I, I didn't talk about this when I was at King Street, but it's probably one of the biggest things um, I'm glad I just thought about as I was looking through my notes. One of the biggest things I, I think prepared me to be a great coach um, was obviously being at King Street. But the thing about being there was, I said, I was, I was single at the time. You know, me and Antonio Simmons, who was a, you know, a great defensive back at Berkeley High School back in the day. Roger Meyer was our defensive coordinator. So I got to live with those guys. You know, Coach Meyer was our defensive coordinator at King Street. I'm just a, you know, second year trying to learn how to coach the offensive line. Right. But I still remember every night after practice going back to our house, you know, flipping the TV on and Coach Roger just roasting me, you know, asking <laughs> me questions about what are you going to do when you get this? What yeah. are you going to do when you get that? Yeah. You know, what if you get a, you know, a one technique, a three technique, a four eye and, you know, uh, an outside, you know, nine technique over a gun. And he's like, you can't write this down. He's like, he's making me think about this stuff in my head and yeah. see it, yeah. you know, big picture. Um, so getting to do that for, you know, two years, just having a guy that's done it. He, I mean, Coach Meyer won two state championships at Berkeley High School. Um, and he's, he's right across the living room from me grilling me on, you know, what am I going to do if I give, if he gives me this on the offensive line? Yeah. Um, so I think that taking that kind of stuff away, um, from when I was younger is a big deal too. Now everyone gets that situation where you know, you're living with a guy that's done that kind of thing. But right. I remember a couple of years ago, we went to a clinic. Uh, we stopped by Myrtle Beach High School. And I, I just stopped in because uh, my buddy you know, went to school there. We talked to the strength coach for about an hour on what on things they do. I think they just won the state championship like the week before. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever it was we were up there. I, it was a North-South game. We went to the North-South game, stopped by Myrtle Beach. And he was, you know, just going through some stuff with, with, us, there, with us there as well. Um, Spartanburg. I've been to Spartanburg when Chris Miller was the head coach there, you know, and you know they were they were winning a lot of ball games. Just kind of see how they do things. So going to clinics, you know, going to talk to other high school coaches is always a big deal, especially since those guys are, you know, in our fraternity. They're they're kind of you know at the same level we're at, um, and having to do some of the same things we're doing. Um, I talked about this. When we were reading books, you know, on leadership or any aspect of a program you're not really sure about. There's plenty of stuff out there. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos now. You know, um, yeah. in the off season, on you type whatever, whatever you know, strength and conditioning, type it in, and you get a hundred, hundred, you know, hits on something like that. Um, a couple of other um, resources we talked about the Parker's, you know, the Parker's Resources podcast, which has been great. Um, Glazier Clinics and Exino Labs have, you know, things that you can go look at. Yep. Um, sometimes they're up on YouTube already. You don't have to get the membership, um, but if you do get the membership for those things, they do have a. I mean, an abundance of information on yep. just about anything you can think of. Um, and the other thing I do, and I'll, I'll kind of, as I'm kind of, I think I get to the end of my notes, but I think the one other thing that I do every year, I think this has helped me because I knew what my goal was. I knew I wanted to be a head coach. Um, and that's preparing for an interview. Um, as an assistant, you know, and I was kind of, I guess, a fortunate or unfortunate, depends on how you look at it. I never really interviewed for an assistant coach job, you know, because I either knew, you know, the guy that was hiring me already, or he knew me. Listen to this now. And, listen, um, listen to this. So I didn't. I never really had to go through a, a true interview process. Um, so just a you know just a couple things for the young guys, or maybe some of the old guys on here um, that I've I've done as preparing for an interview is make sure 
um, you know what your philosophy is. Um, as much as you want to know how to run whatever pass play or scheme or this, if you don't know what your philosophy is, you, you might not to go to an interview, you know, because that's one of the first things they're going to ask you is like, what, what, what are you doing? You know, what's your philosophy on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be offense. It could be defense. It could be your overall philosophy. Uh, but make sure you're doing those kind of things. Like I said special teams, um, weight room, update, you know, everyone updates their, their resume every year. Um, but make yeah. sure you're, uh, this is a Parker resource, you know, kind of a plug. Um, make sure your, your, your uh, resume kind of stands out. You know, if you're doing some great things, that's awesome. That's probably going to get your, your um, resume at the top of the list. But, you know, put pictures on it. Make sure it stands out, you know, among yeah. other people. Um, because they, you know, a lot of schools, I'm, I'm gonna say they probably got 50 to 100, you know, applicants that they're trying to go through resumes on. Make sure, right. yours, make sure yours stands out. So, um, along with all the other things I've talked about today, I think preparing for interviews because I'm still an assistant trying to get a head coaching job is something I probably spend, you know, quite a bit of time on as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've gone as far as preparing for an interview as to say, hey, you know, you can go on, you can go on the internet and type in interview questions for a head coach, and they'll give you some. Right. Yeah. You know, they might give you 10 questions. Well, your hand, I've handed that to other people to ask me the questions before. Mock interviews. You know, prepare. Yeah. You have mock interviews, prepare all that stuff. But when you're preparing for those, um, just make sure you know what your philosophy is in, you know, several different areas. Uh, so you don't get stumped on the very first question of your interview. Yeah. I mean, don't come in. Let's say, you know, you're an assistant coach or a coordinator or whatever. Don't come in and think just because you know how to run the spread and coach quarterbacks that they're going to be like, Holy crap! We can hire this guy to be the head coach, even though he has no idea what he wants to do in the weight room or right. how he wants his athletes to look, how he wants that program to look. So yeah, I guess I guess I guess the bottom line, you know, after kind of talking about all this and y'all listen to me just talk my talk my head off was just make sure if you well two things make sure you know what your goal is and kind of give yourself a roadmap on how you want to get there, um, and then once you get there or wherever you're at now, make sure you're the most rounded coach that you can possibly be make sure you may not be great at a whole lot of things but you have um, a good understanding of you know many different areas in the program right um, you may not be asked to do anything with that um, but if your goal is to be a head coach one day you're gonna have to deal with that and that's kind of been my approach you know every off season um the la- oh there was one more thing scouting this is more specific for um, offense or defensive coaches um about self-scouting maybe on a bye week or in the off season. Um, and I, and we haven't done, I haven't always done a great job of this stuff. I probably need to improve on each year. Um, but I know the, the years that I've coordinated, um, when we talk about self-scout, um, there's some things that I look for is just like how well, or what do we do well as opposed to what we didn't, which I think everybody does that. Um, and then you got to kind of think about how you're going to fix those things. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're going to lose, I said the years we lost, you know, Keyshawn Wicks and DJ Chisholm. Well, we had to do a lot of, you know, self scouting and reflecting on, well, how are we going to make some of these changes? Because we're not going to do the exact same thing, or right. you know, as we did that year. Uh, make sure you know what your tendencies are. Uh, I think as we called plays, you know, at Berkeley those years, as I always went back and self scouted, we were always pretty even as far as yardage is concerned. Um, I think the one year we had four, you know, really good receivers. I think they were all except for DJ. I think DJ kind of kind of separating himself later in the season. But for the most part, I think all those guys were within 10 catches of each other. We had four guys, you know, with, you know, 25 or more catches. Yeah. Um, so make sure you know <clears throat> what your tendencies are. Make sure you know who you want to get the ball to. And I think that's one thing as a young coach and maybe some old coaches, um, it's not always about 
it's not even about the scheme that you're running. You know, yeah. I'm an inside zone guy, but if I got an inside zone back, I ain't gonna run inside zone. Um, just like if, if we don't have a speed burn like we have with DJ, I'm not gonna throw you know four deep balls a game or more, right? Because we're not gonna get the same production Something out that of that. You want to do it's, correct? Um, and I'm and I'll kind of kids can do correct, but yeah, it's not about it's not about how much I know or you know. It's about how well you can get them kids to know it. Um, so there's been times where I've been in the eye and ran. You just had to run power and trap and counter in my in my coaching days. Um, we like so I've, I've been at two places where we ran the flex bone. Um, Timberland, we ran the wing T. So I've kind of been well versed in many different offenses. But um, make sure you know what you're good at, what you're not good at in those offenses. Make sure you know your personnel and your tendencies. Um, I know a lot of people. You know, I know Coach Fields is a big three front guy. And I have a lot of coaches ask me, "Well, you know, what do you do about slants?" Well, I'm a zone guy. I don't care where they slant. Right. You know, because we're going to you know double team and, and combo that anyway. Now, there's some plays that does help you know which way you know they're slanting. So, as you're self scouting and, and scouting other teams, that some of that information is good. Um, and then, kind of like the last thing, the self scout. How can it's not necessarily about scheme so more for me. It's about how can we practice and get better. You know, what what how can we tweak practice this week or next year to you know get the best out of our players, the best efficiency out of our practices. Um, and then we'll leave this with the last thing. When you do have um, when you do self-scout and you're, and you're going back through things, and I'll kind of use this year at Berkeley, um, and I can use many, many examples, but this year at Berkeley, as far as and when it comes to, and I think y'all talked about another podcast about being balanced. Like, I don't care if I run the ball 80 times, you know, 80% of the time or 20% of the time, or if I'm 50-50, like to me, that's not necessarily balanced. Um, I'm gonna use the example after I say this. Balance for me, and I sold this from Mike Leach many years ago, is am I getting my playmakers the ball in a not maybe equal amount of time, but am I getting them the ball enough that we're going to win the ball game? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been guilty of not doing it in some instances, but like I just said, we had four wide receivers that one year that were in about within 10 catches of each other. Um, and our running back was probably going, you know, getting 25 to 30 carries a game, but we were making sure the guys that are going to help us win the ball game, uh, we're getting the ball. Touching the ball. And if, yeah, yeah. if you have one, well, that's pretty easy. You know, you get that guy the ball as many times as you can. But yep. if you got two, three, or four guys, you got to make sure you're distributing that ball around. To me, that's balance. Yeah. You know, um, if you got two good running backs, well, then obviously you're gonna, your run percentage is going to be a little more. Um, but if you can do it both ways, I mean, I think that's more of what balanced is to me. Um, and that goes back to self scouting. I got this guy here that did this. You know, he, he's going to, he's, he's my playmaker. I got two of them. And, we, and DJ, we had a you know a speed burner, and we had a guy that was tall. We could just throw the ball up to. Uh, so I, you got to make sure for one to win the ball game, you're getting those guys the right amount of touches. Yeah. And then two, not necessarily to make those guys happy because they were both team players, mm-hmm. just to make sure they're they're you know they're staying productive and staying confident within themselves. So self scouts huge. Um, that's that's something I could probably improve on a little better. Um, and with the new huddle. I mean, if, if you if you type in any information in the new huddle now, they're they're, this, they're pulling up your tendencies on the right side of the screen anyway. Yep. So new huddle is probably um, you know a big a, a big a tool as you can use nowadays because I remember dreading having the self scout back in the day. You know, and I, and I talked to these guys. You know, they're a little bit younger than I am. I did come up in that time. Coach Sweeney was talking about where I you know, the game my career we were still trading film VHS. You have to right. meet, meet uh, people somewhere. And we we're still using uh, DVDs and VHS at you know at those times, and you know, we've come a long way in in you know, things like Huddle and 
you know, things like that. So that new huddle, I've, I haven't got a chance to use it a lot. Um, but I know if we were, if I was still calling plays, I'd be using that every week because it yeah. gives you exactly what you're doing and defensively and offensively. So uh, make sure you're doing a good job self-scouting. Like I said, the the most important thing you can do as a young coach is try to be – my goal is always try to be the best guy on the staff. Yeah. You know, if, there, if there was a problem or something – And this something, isn't talking down. You shouldn't be like, man, screw those yeah, other yeah, guys. Yeah, not in a cocky way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just you – know, you're trying to be the best. And hopefully everyone on your staff is trying to be the best exactly. that they can. Yes. Um, and so if you're doing that and you're you're got kind of the go-to guy in some instances – you know, that's always kind of a feather in your cap or at yeah. least a at least a nod heading in the right direction. So uh, hopefully I've given everyone, you know, some things to think about. I mean, I, I've just I've kind of thought back through my career and all the things that I've done, you know, since I started. Um, like I said, I prefaced it all by saying I'm not a head coach yet. I hadn't you know, I had the one stint as an interim. Um, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm prepared as much. I prepared myself the best I could to be one and to be the best assistant coach that I can be. Um, until that time comes. So yeah, hope that stuff helped you out. No, and the big takeaway is obviously you talked about self-reflection, self-scout is, is something that you should do every year as an assistant coach, as a head coach, any kind of coach. Um, so that's one of those things that, that you hit on. And Coach feels like you were about to uh, – oh, you're good? No, I mean, I, this is something that you might be listening to and you're like, well – shoot, man, I'm just an assistant. There ain't anything to self-scout. Uh, me personally, I'm going back right now and just watching my defensive line and trying to figure out three things that we didn't do as well, three things that we need to get better on. So Coach Cantrell is dropping this knowledge, and you think, well, I'm a coordinator. That don't really matter. Or I'm an assistant. That don't really matter. I'm not a coordinator. Look at your position group, man. Watch your freaking position group, almost like you're grading film. Pick a game and just say, okay, what do we – do well. Like for me right now, it's like we, we are a four, three, but we slant a good amount at Kane Bay. So one thing that we need to work on are our slant steps. You know, am I teaching it right? Am I saying the right things? Do we need to change how we teach it? Um, do we need to work more time on it? You can do these things as a, as an assistant coach, because you're doing this stuff on your own time. Right. Last, yeah, lastly, I'm just kind of reiterating that. So this is my 17th year. Yeah. So this is all stuff I've done over 17 years. It's not, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't just, you know, I'm going to try to get all this stuff in. It's just stuff I've been doing every off season, just because I know what goals I have and what I'm preparing to try to do. Um, and some of the stuff has been planned and some of the stuff hadn't been planned. I mean, there's always, there's, so when the day you stop learning, the day you need to stop doing it, because there's always something you can get better at. Um, like coach Fields just said in your position group with the, with the hope of, you know, you know, getting something bigger down the road. So yeah. I've always kind of been under the impression of if I can, if I can improve myself, my position, someone's going to notice that someone's going to see that. Um, and then you kind of, you kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how, that's how I've been promoted in every position I've ever been in. Yeah. Every school I've gone to has been a little bit of a better situation, a little bit better program. You know, every time I've, I've gotten a, um, a promotion for whatever it is, you know, being from a offensive line coach to a coordinator or a strength coach, um, it's always because I've you know done a good job of preparing myself for those roles before they happen. Right. Well, and you you talked about it too earlier. Like you've you've learned different things, and that's one thing we're trying to hit on in the off season. And you said it is learn something new. Mm-hmm. Like if you coach receivers, go learn about defensive backs, Correct. or go learn about offensive linemen. I mean, I'm. 
Coach Tannehill always used to tell us, if you can't coach every position on the field, then you're not ready to be a head coach. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing with a with a coordinator. If you can't coach every position on your side of the ball, then you're not ready to be a coordinator. Yeah, okay. And I took that as well. I want to learn as much as I can about other things. Correct. So you talked about that. And the last thing before we kind of move to something else, you also talked about you talked to other coaches. Like when you had to coach offensive line, oh, yeah. you, you went and asked other coaches. And that's my thing. Don't be afraid to contact someone and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm just now coaching or I'm coaching offensive line. You're really good at coaching offensive line. I would like to come sit down yeah. and talk to you. The yeah. worst thing that can happen is that a guy it's says it. no. And who cares? Like, go on to the next person. Like, right. you know, Coach Fields and I kind of started having that mentality a couple years ago. Like, who can we sit down with in the offseason? That's what we kind of talked about. We've sat down yeah. with some guys. We haven't kind of taken the next step. But this is kind of our platform this, this to do was that. Our next step. Yeah, yeah, this is right. now we're bringing people to us, mm -hmm. and they're sharing with us and with you if you're listening. So, don't be afraid to ask because they're just going to say no, and who cares? It's right. it's not a big deal. So, exactly I, right. Coach Cantrell, th we appreciate all the stuff, man. You you gave us a lot of good stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, absolutely, and we'll have you on here a lot more. We, oh, got, we got a little overtime. Yeah, we got more. one more little segment. We're going to wrap this segment up, and then we'll come finish the overtime. It's probably going to be Coach Fields dominant, apparently. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the overtime segment. All right, guys. So we're we're back for the last little segment here of part one of how to get better in the offseason. Uh, we got Coach Cantrell. He just dropped a bunch of knowledge on y'all. So I just want to go ahead. I, I got like a vendetta. Like I've been like, <laughs> I've been just thinking about this the whole time. Oh, so these guys. Thanksgiving is over, Fields. Right. So I just want to go ahead and say that, you know, they're going to paint this picture of me like, you know, I'm this little child. All right. I just don't <laughs> like, he's laughing. But like, I just want y'all, if y'all don't know me, you got to understand, I honestly don't like any holidays. I'm not really a holiday person. Um, I don't really like even, you know, I joke around and say my birthday, but I could really care less. Like, it's just another day for me. We got the day off. Can I go hang out with friends? Can I hang out with family? That kind of stuff. Okay. I just don't really like Thanksgiving food. Um, I enjoy, <laughs> you know, smoking meat and, and grilling. We grilled yesterday at coach Willis's house. So, we did. um, I just don't really like Thanksgiving food, man. And uncle Chet, like, I just rather not listen to him. If I want to listen to him, I'll call him or FaceTime. Okay. So I just want to go ahead and get past that. The next thing we make this joke on here and we haven't had coach Beck on cause he's busy making playoff runs at Lamar, but we haven't had coach Beck on to kind of like back this thing up. So I'm gonna go ahead and talk about G rap versus power. All right. <laughs> if you've made it this far in the episode, here we go. Here's our scheme stuff. So we kind of joke around about this because there's this misconception with spread guys with 10 personnel guys that you can run power. All right. You can't do it, Bo. Here's the deal. Power, and you could run power and counter 30 different ways with 30 different formations, but you got to have a down, down kick with a wrap. You got to. No matter what combination it is, that's power and counter. Okay? What Coach Beck kind of calls his power is really G-Rap to us. So G-Rap, Coach Faulkner, you haven't had him on either, but Coach Faulkner said this perfectly the other day. All G-Rap is is ISO. All right, you're pulling the guard, 
but he's not going to kick anybody out. Yes, he's going to rap, but he's just going to go rap in the opposite A or opposite B, and you're base blocking play side. You're not down blocking, okay? So we joke around with Coach Beck about what's power and what's not because he calls that his power, and that's his power, and that's great. But to us other guys, like Coach Cantrell's over here shaking his head because he knows that G-Rap is different from power. So letting you all understand, we're not talking about the guard just pulling in power play. Like, we get it. You can tag it however you want. Uh, Coach Wright last year, he still did it a bunch this year. That's why they made it to lower state. He's a gap scheme guy. He's all about power and counter, and he does a freaking awesome job of tagging it however he wants, okay? But we're not talking about just pulling the guard on power. We're talking about your base blocking and you're inserting the guard play side. That's two completely different things, all right? So I'll end this little overtime session with I'm a little heated because I've been thinking about this for a while. You know? <laughs> so, Coach, if you're not playing with a fullback or an H-back, you ain't running power. Oh, right. Correct. Correct. Okay. Or two back. You can go true, two back. You can do it however the heck you want to. But 10 personnel, unless you're motioning somebody over, you're not running power. If you are, it's getting run down backside. All right. If you're running power, and I'm using my little quotes right now, and yeah, come come at me on Twitter. I got like three followers. So come at me on Twitter <laughs> if you want to, you 10 personnel guys. But you can't do it. You got to run some type of G-Rap. And that's a great play. But G-Rap is not power. Hashtag it till the day I'm done. G-Rap is not power. That's all, that's all you, I got, Coach Willis. You, 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 you feel good heated. now? You like your – No, I don't is, feel good. But, definitely red right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, Coach McDaniel over here just making me out like I'm a child. And, I yeah. mean, my answers were my birthday. Okay. But y'all got to understand, I'm not a holiday guy. Okay. I'm not a birthday guy. I, I could honestly care less. I'm moving on. Is it a chance to hang out with my friends and family? You know, that's that's all I got. I think us. we should sit in silence for a second and just let you just. <laughs> <sighs> I just had to get it out, man. There it is. So. I had to get it out. But honestly, the G-Rap versus Power thing, that's so you guys can giggle every time we say yeah, it. Yeah, it's a joke. Now I mean, y'all are into the joke now. Yeah. Okay. It's it's fun. It's We're going to make T-shirts. Yeah. It's a, it's a knee slapper. We're not yeah. going to let Coach Davis be in charge of T-shirts. No, no. That, we, we tried that like 17 years ago and still hasn't delivered. Yeah, ain't, ain't got my T-shirt yet uh, from Coach but Davis. we got Miss Willis on. She's already got everything printed out on the cricket, probably as we speak. Yeah, so. she's putting together a website or something right now. We'll have a million dollars here in 10 minutes. Nice. Yeah. All right, so. That, that's it for my overtime. Co- Coach Fields got that off of his chest. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah, we're good now. I mean, Thanksgiving's over. I had a great Thanksgiving I meal. Too, I mean, it was it was amazing. I got to see family, but I'm going to be honest with you, saw a second cousin that I ain't seen in a long time, and he kind of made me mad. And all I was thinking about was giggling the whole time at my grandma's house. Like, Was his man, name? Was it Chet? It's not Chet. It's I not can't, Chet. can't reveal who it was. <laughs> can't even reveal what they did, but it was like, man, this is cracking me up. The, oh, I shouldn't have came over here. <laughs> Okay, turkey I, I, was dry. By the way, I, I, just gonna go ahead and say it. Too. Turkey. <laughs> well, was shout out to my mom. Her meal was amazing. I ate it like five meals in a row. Cam yep. sent me seven thousand pictures of Carol's Thanksgiving. It was now, amazing. Ms. Carol is an awesome cook. I've yes. ate some of her food in Union before, <laughs> but he sent me seventeen thousand pictures of it. Okay? We definitely rubbed it in a little bit yeah, over it, Thanksgiving. It was quite so. ridiculous. I'm tired of it. We've I'm been giving tired. him a hard time. I know it's it's all fun and games. Yeah, so. 
that's that's pretty much it. It's probably a great place to to finish up this first part. This is part one of improving in the offseason. Again, thank you to Coach Cantrell for taking time out of his hunting, probably. Didn't to come. get to go today. Yeah, didn't get to go. He was at home preparing. <laughs> um, but, you know, appreciate you coming by and, and sharing some stuff. And as we both, myself and Coach Fields, can attribute, we've worked with this guy, and it's – what he says is true. We're not just just feeding you a bunch of BS. Like it's it's real. Um, he's been to a lot of different places and done a lot of different things, and that's why he was an easy choice for us to get on here for this first part about improving in the off season. Yeah. So, um, last little comments, Coach Fields, you're done. You already had your comments. Oh, Coach, come on, man. You got something? Yeah, I do have All right, something. Go ahead. I'm just um, I, I feel kind of honored that Coach would come on, kind of no problem, and. Honestly, the guys we've asked to come on and the guys we're asking to come on shortly have all said, heck yeah, let's do it, man. So yeah, we want you guys to keep listening and really thank you to anybody that we ask or anybody that comes on. That, yeah. that means a lot. I mean, it really does. And and I've spoken to some people and they've spoken. To, like we, we have a plan like to get a bunch of people on. It's just it's got to come in in time. So if I talked to you and said, Hey, jump on the podcast with us, I'm in it. Like you just gotta, we gotta go through, you know, one episode at a time and we've got a plan for this thing. So again, coach Cantrell, anything for anybody before we roll out? I just appreciate you guys having me on. It's kind of like sitting around the coaches, coaches table in the coach's office. That's right. Maybe a little longer, maybe a little more in depth, but yeah, yeah. always have a good time with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Well, again, Go check out the podcast. Uh, hit the subscribe button there. Um, share it on Twitter. We're at YCA underscore podcast. Uh, share it with your friends. And, you know, we hope we're, you're getting something from what we're trying to do here. So, all right, with that, we're going to go ahead and shut this thing down. See you. All right, that's all we've got for today's episode of the YCA podcast. Thanks for listening, and make sure you go to Spotify and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter at YCA underscore podcast. Follow, like, retweet, and share the YCA podcast, and feel free to send questions or content ideas you'd like to be covered in the future. Thanks again for listening. This is Cam Willis signing off. Until next time, see you.